Twas the week before Christmas, when all through the land, people were anxious without much of a plan. For many put off until the very last second, the purchase of presents, which obligation beckoned. They rushed to the mall in hopes that inspiration would strike, sifting through junk which no one would like. Standing in line, I asked myself, why? Giving gifts should be fun, not leave me feeling awry. As if hearing my thoughts, a stranger leans in, saying giving gifts without thought seems a terrible sin. His eyes wandered down to my basket of crap. My heart fills with dread as I realize my mishap. After a second, an idea takes hold. But the thought goes against everything that we're told. What if gift giving is all a big gaffe? Ducking away, my strange friend exclaims in a laugh. Giving gifts from the heart that show that you care. Or simply a handwritten note, only if you dare. For Christmas is about being with family and friends, or doing a good deed, which the world certainly needs. You're listening to the podcast, Advancing Sustainable Solutions, where we make sustainability research meaningful for the everyday person. This podcast is produced by the IIIEE at Lund University. This episode is hosted by Stephen Curtis and Sophie Sundin. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Sophie. Welcome back to another episode of Advancing Sustainable Solutions. Yeah, our last episode of the year. It's a... Uh, it's been an exciting year, and we have another exciting episode planned for our listeners. Definitely. But Stephen, thank you for sharing this poem with us. I understand that you were inspired by a Christmas poem famous from the US, which you rephrased for us for today's episode. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the, the poem is called Twas the Night Before Christmas, and it's a pretty well-known poem in the US and abroad. I did a little research uh, for the episode and, and found out that the poem was actually first published in 1823, and it's actually said to have had a big impact on harmonizing Christmas customs across the U.S. The poem is also said to have a big impact in cementing the tradition of Christmas gift-giving, as Santa filled the, the children's stockings with care. Furthermore, the poem has been reworked and parodied by so many for so long. Some notable examples stand out in my mind, especially from my time at Penn State, uh, you can imagine college students having some fun with a poem such as this. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, uh, I thought it'd be fun to reshape in, uh, the poem to share some of the feelings of anxiety that I have this time of year around gift giving and, and the obligation and societal norms that have been established around giving during the holiday season around the world. Now, of course, the holidays have so many positive traditions and emotions associated with them. My favorite memories in particular are decorating the Christmas tree or frosting cookies with my mom, which we, we always frosted uh, quite many cookies for, for neighbors and family and friends. And as I've grown older, I've, I've learned to appreciate these traditions even more. I'm excited to start my own traditions with my partner as we celebrate Christmas with his family this year. But the holidays can also mean a lot of stress, from planning extravagant meals to buying gifts for friends and family, and this stretches our wallets and our waistlines. Therefore, in the spirit of the holidays, we want to explore some of the sustainability-related issues stemming from consumption during the holidays, in particular, from gift-giving. This isn't to say that gift-giving is bad, 
But in this episode, we want to explore why we give gifts and maybe then provide some suggestions for some sustainable gift ideas. Indeed, overconsumption is putting a strain on our environments. In our last episode, we discussed the need to narrow, slow and close resource loops through reuse and repair. This considers products that have already been consumed. But what if we go a bit more upstream to the act of consuming? There are even more ways to think proactively when consuming goods, especially at this time of year. But for so many, especially children, Christmas is about giving and receiving gifts. In fact, the Swedish Trade Federation released its prognosis for consumption in Sweden during December 2018. Once again, this year will beat last year's record-setting amount, totaling a staggering 79.7 billion Swedish crowns spent this holiday season. That is the equivalent of nearly 8 billion euros. And for our US listeners, nearly 9 billion US dollars. That will be spent on buying food and Christmas gifts. Clearly, tradition, norms, and expectations are all part of this mix, what we expect and picture Christmas to be. In this episode, we will unfold these norms. We'll hear what we do at our institute within the realm of sustainable consumption, and we'll talk to some of the researchers and hear their thoughts on giving and gifting. Holiday gift giving has become ritualized as described by scientists from different disciplines. A practice that becomes ritualized is said to have rules and norms governing the activity in society. In the case of gift giving, These rules and norms see gift-giving as a reciprocal exchange. This means that by giving a gift, there's also an expectation set that you receive a gift from that person of equal value. Furthermore, gift-giving is described as important for maintaining social networks. In this regard, a gift is more than just an object. It is a token of a relationship and something that creates a common denominator between the giver and the receiver. Gift-giving has been studied for decades. Famously, a researcher named Kaplow investigated Christmas gift-giving habits in an American city in the 1970s. What he found was really interesting, that the act of giving was something that involved largely the entire population and was ruled by a set of intricate and complex codes of conduct. These rules are typically unwritten and often taken for granted by society. His research demonstrated that people unconsciously accepted the obligation of gift-giving as a somewhat natural part of society, where the value of the gift would be scaled to the meaningfulness of the relationship. Furthermore, there was also a clear generational direction of the gifting, typically from older generations to younger generations, and rarely in the opposite direction. This is something that I'm sure that many of us can relate to, that we consciously or unconsciously adapt the gifting to a certain value. I know from my family, we had to agree to not give each other gifts to avoid social havoc if someone all of a sudden would show up at Christmas without any gifts to put under the tree. It all went well, but now in retrospect, I find it rather interesting that this really is a social contract that we all have signed, willingly or unwillingly, and in order to break it without any hard feelings, all parties must agree on its repeal. And another very interesting feature of the gift-giving is what we actually give each other. In a much more recent study, scientists look at the development of gifts over the last century or so, from the unique handmade item to the store-bought mass-produced goods that all, or not all, but at least a significant part of these 80 billion Swedish crowns will be buying this year. 
The marketplace and its retailers have of course an important role to play in this transformation, but so do we, the people, who adopt these rituals and turn them into something we deem personal by the repackaging, creating a story behind the gifts, and so on. It is not just the holiday season that we find ourselves giving gifts, but it has become a ritualized part of so many occasions in society, found throughout our calendars year-round, including birthdays, anniversaries, housewarming parties, weddings, and baby showers, along with many other occasions. Oftentimes, among my friends, I hear that people are stressed or anxious by the expectation to give the perfect gift. I wonder if the obligation, the stress, the anxiety actually takes away from a little bit of the joy associated with giving a gift in the first place. Maybe you can relate. With a week to go before Christmas, have you bought all of your Christmas presents? Have you wrapped the presents or made it to the post office in order for your gift to arrive at the destination on time? I know that I haven't. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't yet managed to find the perfect gift for the holiday season... Or for the inspiration the next time you need to find a gift for a family member, friend, or colleague... We have some suggestions that might inspire you. To start, here in Sweden, the Swedish Trade Federation each year announces their Christmas Gift of the Year. This announcement is intended to reflect the hottest trends in technology, to offer a little inspiration for the holiday shopper. Over the years, the gift of the year has included a cell phone in 1994, internet access in 1995, in 2013 it was a juice maker. However, in 2018, do you know what the Swedish Trade Federation has announced as the gift of the year, Sophie? I hear that it's something very timely. Yeah, it's quite timely. This year, they've actually announced that the gift of the year for 2018 is a secondhand garment. In their motivation for this year's choice, they recognize the increasing threat of climate change and environmental degradation as a result of our consumption. They suggest that gifts should focus on reuse and refurbishment, in particular in the fashion industry, in order to promote both more sustainable and ethical consumption. So, one suggestion towards a more sustainable gift is giving a second-hand garment. Giving second-hand reduces the need for production of new goods and increases the intensity of use and the lifespan of goods in our economy. What are some more strategies towards the more sustainable gift ideas? We invited our colleagues Heather Schoonover and Matthias Lerner to talk about their research in sustainable consumption and how they are going about their Christmas gifting this year. Welcome, Heather and Matthias. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to having you on board because you are involved in a project around sustainable consumption. Please mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, so the project is, as you uh, rightly said, called Sustainable Consumption. It has a subtitle as well, From Niche to Mainstream. And it builds on the conviction that the scale of consumption today in a country like Sweden is beyond what we can as a society deal with uh, in terms of resource use and uh, waste creation and thus the project tries to find ways remedies for that overconsumption. Heather, maybe you can tell a little more about what we do. Yeah, of course. So in terms of defining sustainable consumption, there's no one definition, but we talk about it in several ways. So consuming less, which I think is sort of our ideal, but also consuming differently. So maybe sharing, things like that, or consuming more efficiently. So more environmentally or socially sustainable products, for example. I think our ultimate goal is to reduce the overall volume of consumption. The project looks at three different areas. So food, home furnishings, and vacationing. Uh, Matthias and I are specifically involved in the home furnishings piece, and we're looking at things, you know, how do you 
do something beyond buying furniture that you then use and throw away. So could you rent it? Could you share it? Things like that. The food folks are looking at, for example, how can you eat less meat? Travel would be, you know, can you take a train somewhere instead of flying? Or can you vacation locally instead of going far away? But I think the key to the project is we're looking beyond just individual consumer choices because there's only so much individual consumers can do. So looking at business models, policy mechanisms, roles of NGOs, civil society, so that we can move sustainable consumption practices from their current place, which is generally being practiced on a small scale in niches, to make them more mainstream. I certainly relate to what you guys are sharing. Uh, the research that I'm doing is within the, I, the realm of sharing economy and also seeing ways of how we can reduce our consumption. And all of our research actually takes place within the, the one of the research themes here at the Institute called sustainable consumption governance. And this episode, we actually want to highlight this research as well as discuss uh, the role of gift giving in in relation to sustainable consumption. I'm wondering, how do you see gift giving as a, an important topic to explore within the context of sustainable consumption? Well, on a personal level, it's problematic because um, I don't like it. Gift giving. Gift giving specifically, yes. Yeah. So so maybe as, as a dec- disclaimer up front, I've never liked gift giving. Yeah. And I don't appreciate much receiving gifts. And that, that sounds very harsh, and, and I'll moderate that, what I just said, a little more uh, in the conversation, because sure. it's not quite as bad as it sounds. But it's one expression out of many, to me personally, where overconsumption plays out in a way that I feel doesn't benefit anyone, not me and not the other side in a way. So here it's like two-sided because gift giving has... Somebody a... gives a gift and somebody receives the gift. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't care for gift giving because you don't enjoy the act of giving or receiving, but also cognizant of its impact on the greater landscape of sustainable consumption. In summary, yes. Yeah. yeah. Or say, say um, most of the time. Sure. And that is uh, a sign of our time, I yeah. would say. A yeah. hundred years back, I would not have made the statement the way I did just now. And and, and I wouldn't consider it, I would consider it a positive thing to do. Yeah. I mean, some people may hear what you're saying, though, and say like, no, but actually, I love giving gifts, or I love receiving gifts. Uh, yeah, and I'll take up that view. I think, especially around the holidays, for my family, gift giving was always a big thing. But it was more, it wasn't necessarily the gifts themselves. And it was very much about the types of gifts. And they were never big things. They were usually small things. And I still do this, but I very much like you know, getting gifts from or purchasing gifts from, say, like a local market or from someone I know who made it, something with a story behind it. So I think I put a lot of thought into the gifts that I'm giving. But yeah, I, I do enjoy giving gifts, especially if I think, oh, that would be a perfect gift for Matthias. Or it sounds like maybe not for you. But for <laughs> um, I don't like having to buy a gift just because, oh, it's Christmas or it's a birthday and I have to get something. I, I disagree with that. But I think if you, know, if you, if you really know a person and you, you think a lot about what, what might they appreciate or what might have a story, I, I enjoy that part of gift giving. I mean, I think what, what I feel is that there's an increasing obligation on people to give gifts. And as such... Because of that, we are because we're we're stressed or we don't have a lot of time. We're turning to these mass-produced gifts and losing our ability to find the story and the meaning in the gifts that we're giving. And it sounds like Heather, that's what motivates you in gift giving. Mm-hmm. But how do we return to that notion of giving gifts of meaning? 
Yeah, I think that's really tricky because I think, as you pointed to, it, it, I think is a lot of question of time and we're just, we're so busy these days. And I used to live in Seattle where Amazon is headquartered, where you can get deliveries within an hour, which is kind of ridiculous. But it's also, it's just, it's so easy to buy things. And you say, okay, what do you want? Put it on the Amazon wish list. I'll send it. Boom, done. And I think, especially living here in Lund, where you actually can just go walk through the shops. There is no Amazon, which I actually really like because it makes it a lot harder to go shopping. And I feel like I, I do take the time to kind of seek out those small local things, but I understand that a lot of people don't have the time or don't have the ability to do that. And I think also a lot of stores are moving more online. There aren't as many places you can just go kind of wander and find these unique things. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would say you kind of need to change the whole trajectory of society, but that's a bit much for yeah. <laughs> trying to change gift giving. But I, I think one of the things that I want to focus on here is the obligation of gift giving. Why do we give gifts in the first place? Of course, mm. it is it is meaningful to think of a friend or a family member and say, yeah, I want to give you a gift because I care about you. But then at the same time, there's this obligation that I have to give a, a gift to my you know, great uncle twice removed, as an example. I don't know, Matthias, how do you, how do you feel about this obligation of giving gifts? Is this one of the things that contributes to your displeasure? Yeah, it's one of the major issues I have with gift giving. But I would say the issue with gift giving today is that we start from a very noble thing. I I certainly don't want to question the underlying motivation that I would claim has existed throughout humankind, that there's bonds between individuals and, and gifts are a way to show each other appreciation or even more so to help each other out. You know, uh, we now think of gifts as something that happens for Christmas and it's stuff that the other person maybe could live without, but in the best case is happy to receive anyway. In the worst case, sees as a, as a nice thing to have received as a, as a kind of a a show of respect or or love and then puts it in a corner and forgets about it. That's what we think about it today. But initially, you know, gifts could have could be much more essential, much more things that you otherwise would not get a real important thing to have something that maybe somebody who had more would give to somebody who had less or temporarily uh, all these things. And I think humans are built in a way to do that. I mean, it's part of the human uh, of human nature. What it also is, I think, is it's, it's an ideal behavior to be, I use the word exploited now, even though I'm not sure it's the perfect word, but it's exploited both, it, it's an ideal behavior to be exploited both in a social norms and, and structures way, as well as in an economic way. You know, it's a, it's a perfect target for somebody who wants to make money because you'll never be criticized for encouraging people to give more gifts to each other. Because it's, it's so fundamentally good at its origin that nobody would really criticize it. And if you do criticize it, and I know that from personal experience, you are not particularly appreciated at a time of... You know, Christmas is not the time to be critical about what is... You don't is, challenge societal norms no. you know, on Christmas Eve opening presents with your friends and family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, my family did decide who gives who gifts. So, like, we no longer give gifts to the cousins and they don't give gifts to us because it was sort of seen as, you know, we're just buying gifts for the the sake of buying gifts. So close family and kids absolutely get gifts. Regarding the idea of the contract, from personal experience, I want to claim that you will have to uh, make and and, and live up to that contract uh, unilaterally. Number one, you have to be fine as an individual. If you really don't like it to 
quit the social contract unilaterally and be like, thank you very much if you give me something. Please accept I won't give you something back. <laughs> and uh, live with it, you know? And I've done that for a while. And surprisingly, I still have friends and family that doesn't hate me. So I know that it works. That said, it doesn't mean that I never ever give any gifts. Now, if you would be a person that does like presents, giving them and receiving them, as I have understand Heather does, then that's a completely different issue. Yeah, but if you said, I'm not going to give you a gift, I would have no problem with that. Great. I think what Matthias, you're expressing is, is an extreme. And I think it's then important to recognize that in society, there is a spectrum of people that love giving gifts and do so because they care so much about those people in their lives and others who are anxious or overwhelmed by the idea of having to think creatively about, oh, what am I going to get this person? But I think recognizing that there's this spectrum is important first in our understanding of how we can think about sustainable consumption in relation to gift giving. But also I, I like what you said about on the premise, gift giving is noble. And in a way, I think that's something that we also need to recognize. But Heather, as you approach gift giving, it's about the story. It's about the connection you have with somebody. It's about the meaningful thought that goes into mm -hmm. deciding on a gift. Um, so maybe that's a takeaway that we can think about. When we're giving gifts, maybe we think about why we're giving gifts. And when giving a gift, that it is coming from a genuine place of care and meaning for the person that it's intended for. Can I uh, just ask you then, what would be your advice or your message to the listener on how to try to go about the Christmas gift giving in a somewhat sustainable way? Heather. I tend to try to look for gifts throughout the year so it doesn't become this very pressured thing at the last minute and also pay attention to things that, that people really like. So my parents live abroad. Well, I live abroad from my parents and they love getting the Swedish, the Knäckebröd, which is what? 10, 20 kroner in the supermarket. They can actually buy it in the US, but the fact it comes from Sweden, this is just, this is like the hit of Christmas. And I realize that they're really excited about it. They also love cheese, which sometimes gets through customs and sometimes doesn't. But yes, they will, I don't know if they'll listen to this before Christmas, they will again be getting the, the Prestoast. <laughs> it's their very favorite Swedish cheese. And they call me and tell me when they've eaten it and save it for the whole year, which this year I'm going to buy them a bit more. So yeah, I think it's, again, it's just more the, the thought that, that goes into it for me. Matthias. I would say that one should focus on those presents that give you pleasure picking first and not worry too much about then finding something for everyone else. And here I sound, I think, very much like one should sound at Christmas, which I didn't earlier. Christmas is not about the presents ultimately. For most people, and that includes kids, the presents are an aspect of it. But in the end, it's done with, and then there's being together, being social, eating good food, discussing things, enjoying each other's company. And I, I can't guarantee that that's always going to work. But in my experience, many times people are not going to have hard feelings for a person that out of an honest you know, desire to, on the one hand, give good and honest presence, but on the other avoid all the unnecessary present giving that that person would suffer from that significantly. I think that if you dare do that, you'll be surprised how much of a non-event that is in the end. And that includes children, by the way. I have a number of nephews and nieces and they still enjoy my company more than I would think they do, given that they know from the outset that they can't expect 
gifts from me. They can expect many other things, but not gifts. Mm. And it doesn't seem that they care less about my presence for Christmas. Mm. So focus on what in, what you enjoy about gift giving and just don't care too much about the social norms around it. That's great. Thank you so much for uh, your advice, your ideas, and especially thank you to Heather and Matthias for joining us and sharing your thoughts on Christmas gifting. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. We invited Matthias and Heather as they represent the spectrum of opinions on the activity of gift giving. Can you hear yourself in any of their experiences? I know that I can. We enjoyed our conversation with them, which has certainly prompted more discussion in the office around gift giving. In essence, with this episode, we do not want to suggest that gift-giving is bad or unsustainable. Instead, we hope to give a pause for ourselves and for others to reflect on why we give gifts, to whom, for what occasions, and whether the gifts we give may be more sustainable. As we approach the end of this episode, we want to suggest several things that you can consider when giving a gift this holiday season or into the new year. Of course, the first is to consider giving a gift that is secondhand, as we already discussed. Our second suggestion is to give a service instead of a physical good, like a massage or a cooking class. Yeah, great idea. Along the same lines, like me, and maybe you love to cook, you could consider giving some homemade treats. Or, as a gift idea, last year I put together a gift that included a handwritten recipe and then all of the ingredients needed to make that recipe. And of course it was to one of my favorite dishes. And it's fun to share something that you enjoy doing in this way with, uh, with a friend or, yeah. or a loved one. It becomes really personal. Yeah. And for those of you who want to give jewelry to a special person, you can always find vintage or pawn jewelry, often cheaper than buying new. If you're buying new gifts, consider buying gifts that do not have any batteries or that are rechargeable. This reduces the toxic chemicals that may be associated with landfilling or incinerating of batteries when not properly disposed. Or maybe a handwritten note from the heart to loved one or friend is more meaningful than anything you could buy. Lastly, you can always give the gift of carbon offsetting. Maybe not the sexiest gift of the year, I can say that's probably the case, but Nonetheless, who wouldn't want to live guilt-free for an entire year based on their activities? I think that will be a very nice gift to find in the stocking. Yeah, I certainly would appreciate it and have appreciated it when friends have, have done that for me. There are many different websites that you can visit if you're interested in exploring carbon offsetting as a gift. All right, Stephen, it is time to wrap this episode up. How will you be more sustainable in your Christmas gifting this year? Yeah, thanks for the question. To be honest, I, I'm not giving so many gifts this year. In particular, I was traveling a few weeks back and I've just ran out of the time to find the, the gifts that I think are meaningful for the people in my life. So I hope that those in my life will understand. But nonetheless, one of the things that I am going to do is hand make some gifts. When I was traveling, I went to a Christmas market and I saw these, these handmade trivets, these um, pot pads where you put pots and pans and so on. And they were made from these these tiny felt wool balls. And I decided, hey, I want to try making that. So I've now bought all of the supplies I need to go ahead and hand roll these cute little colored felt balls. And I'll spend some time doing this in the next week. And giving that is a gift to, to a few people that matter to me. What about you, Sophie? What will you give your family and friends this year for Christmas? Yeah, like I said before, and my parents and I, we don't give each other gifts anymore, but I have five uh, nieces and nephews. 
and I want to give them a gift for the holiday season, but rather than buying material gifts this year, I will give them some fun activity for Christmas instead, that we perhaps can do together in the new year. I believe that time is the most valuable thing we have, and I want to share that with them, rather than just leaving them with some material good that will be used, damaged and discarded. I feel happy with this decision, since it saves me stress from running around stores trying to find the perfect gift for them, and perhaps this activity can be something we all look forward to and can remember for a longer time. I think that's sweet. Thanks for sharing, Sophie. And with that, this episode is now coming to a close. We want to thank all of you who have listened to us during this very first semester of Advancing Sustainable Solutions. You are among a growing number of listeners. We appreciate your support. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd appreciate you recommending our podcast in your networks. We would also like to thank Heather Schoonover and Matthias Lerner for joining us on this episode. And as always, a thanks to the IIIEE for the support. See you next year. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we wish you a healthy and sustainable sustainable new year. year.